Live from the slightly twisted deck bar, it's the Poojie Podcast with Justin Lameen. The Poojie Podcast is proudly sponsored by Cimarron Golf Club, located in Jacksonville, Florida, off County Road 210, just west of St. John's Parkway. What is going on, everyone? It is Thursday, July 2nd. We are officially in the second half of the year, so let's see if we can uh, do a little bit better in the second half here and uh, defeat this COVID-19 here in in the next few months. Hopefully we can. Uh, But most recently, uh, there was some news handed down from uh, the baseball world, which is what I want to get into. So uh, let's talk about it. You know, minor league baseball came out on Tuesday and, and kind of expressed their concerns and mentioned that they would be fully canceling the season. I'm can't be too much of a surprise to too many people based on the hurdles and loops that people would have to go through uh, just to get back on the field at the major league level. And at the major league level, you have 30 ballparks or 30 ball clubs, excuse me, that you have to worry about. And at the minor league level, you have 261 minor league clubs. So how was this going to work? No one was too sure. So I understand why this decision was made. But at the same time, I also understand why this is a big deal. For a lot of you out there that might not know what the minor league system is in baseball, it's a developmental type league that these players coming out of high school and college are able to get into and uh, kind of progress, make their way to the major leagues. And because of this, some of those players aren't going to get that opportunity they maybe otherwise would have gotten. Uh, also, not to mention, Minor league baseball is a staple of so many communities around the country. I'm here in Jacksonville, Florida, one of the larger markets that has minor league baseball up there with Nashville, you know, Durham's up there, Uh, a lot of Vegas, right? Reno, all those, all those cities, but so many smaller cities have baseball as a staple of their community. It affects so many communities around the country. So this is more than just canceling baseball. This is canceling a lifestyle that occurs in the summer months for so many areas. In fact, There's only 17 states in the United States that have a Major League Baseball team. And of those 17 states, there's only 27 cities that have a Major League Baseball team. For Minor League Baseball, there's 46 states. The only four states that don't have a team are Louisiana, Wyoming, Hawaii, and Alaska. Louisiana used to have one, but the baby cakes left for Wichita. And 261 cities house a Minor League Baseball team. And not only that, for the communities – the players that come through there are pretty noteworthy. I mean, here in Jacksonville, we've seen great players come through like Matt Kemp, Shane Victorino, Russell Martin, Clayton Kershaw, Mike Stanton, now John Carlos Stanton, and even more notably currently, Brian Anderson, who is currently on the Marlins, is a big one. Minor League Baseball has seen its share of superstars come through. Ronald Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and even superstars in the league for the last decade, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper went through the minor leagues. These guys didn't just go into the major leagues. In fact, only two players currently, or not currently, since the turn of the century went straight into the major leagues. 2000 and 2010, most recently, Mike Leak, pitcher to the Reds out of Arizona State. So only two guys went straight to the majors. That shows how vital the minor league system is and how often these players make their development worth it and go into the majors. They become Hall of Famers here in Jacksonville. Hank Aaron, Nolan Ryan. Randy Johnson, a lot of great players. Most recently, Larry Walker, Edgar Martinez. So many players, and and, and minor league baseball is a staple of so many communities, but what is minor league baseball, right? It's, It's my shirt that I'm wearing, the jumbo shrimp. It's the creativity that we're able to flex 
day in and day out. It's the promotions. It's the fun things that you hear about. It's the players that may never reach the next level. And that's okay. This is the pinnacle of their career and they're living out their dream. Correct. It's the players that make their name in the community. Austin Dean here in Jacksonville, Stone Garrett here in Jacksonville, those types of players who may not ever play at the next level permanently. Maybe they get a chance once or twice, but I do want to flip it over to my dad real quick. Someone that took me to many Jacksonville Suns games, now Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp games, and ask him what minor league baseball means to him and what minor league baseball is to him and what it means to the city and, uh, I guess, the country and the world of baseball altogether. So, Dad, in your Uh, opinion, what is minor league baseball? Minor league baseball is just a microcosm of life. I mean, these guys come out of high school, out of college. They go into – into a basically, you know, getting paid very minimal just for the joy of reaching the major leagues. And we've been successful here in Jacksonville with promoting that. Um, Baseball is by far a life sport. If you look at it, yeah, start at home and you go home, right? So um, I, I enjoy it. I love it. Um, I will always embrace minor league ball. Um, we just need to make sure that, you know, everybody gets in touch with coming out to the ballpark. Um, when we open up again um, and enjoy baseball as it is. So a lot of good things said there, you know, baseball is a generational type sport. You know, your parents play it, your grandparents play it, you play it growing up. It's often, along with soccer, the first sport many kids play. So seeing these people reach the minor league level is pretty awesome in itself. And not to mention, a lot of times in minor league baseball, it's not the result on the field that matters. It's the fun that's had in the stands that matters. Not oftentimes do people leave a minor league uh, baseball stadium saying, wow, I wish we could have won, or my time at the game was ruined because we lost. A lot of times it's those promotions, it's those fun on-field activities that matter most. And here what we say in Jacksonville is the affordable family fun aspect of the minor league game. So that's all for Let's Talk About It. I know that was a lengthy one, but please stay tuned for this upcoming interview. I'm very excited for this one. An FSU great Orange Bowl MVP from 2013. I know a lot of FSU fans out there have been waiting to hear some FSU content on here. So here it is for you. And stick around afterward for Poojie Parlay presented by Shores Pub Mandarin. But until then, enjoy this interview and be sure to stick around. Thanks. Very pleased to have this next guest join the show. Uh, Spent some time at the NFL level with the Jaguars, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Also was a fullback at FSU. Actually earned the honor of 2012 Orange Bowl MVP, the game that's on currently behind me. Um, So without further ado, thank you for being here, Lonnie Pryor. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for being here. You holding up okay during this uh, coronavirus quarantine time yeah man it has it um hasn't been too crazy for me i work uh two to three times a week uh so i travel a lot so slow back there but man uh, my grilling skills have went up and um and getting these games have went up so i've been like uh me and my buddy have a garage in our uh and uh have a gym in our garage so we literally work out so when i'm done with this we're gonna go work out so it's just working out eating good and just kind of hanging out 
Well, that sounds that sounds like a pretty good uh, quarantine setup you got there. No, you? it's uh, it's it's really not that bad. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear, man. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of the viewers and listeners to this are uh, here in Florida. Obviously, going to be some FSU fans out there. So you know, I got to start there. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about your time at FSU. What it was like, obviously, getting recruited out of uh, Okeechobee High School down in, in South Florida. Um, going to FSU, what made that your decision to go play there? Oh, man, uh, God, just a dream come true, man, a blessing to go to Florida State. I've always been a FSU fan since I was little. Um, you know, Bobby Brown's always been my favorite coach, so to go there my first year um, to get Coach Brown. But it's just growing up, man, going there, uh, going to all the games growing up and just visiting there, man, I loved it. And uh, I remember when I first stepped on campus, like I was never going anywhere else. But uh, I loved it there, best four years of my life, and uh, I wouldn't change anything in the world for it. That's awesome, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Bobby Bowden because obviously during your time there, it switched from Bobby Bowden to Jimbo Fisher. Were you actually on the team Bobby Bowden's last game here in Jacksonville? Yeah, I was there. I was there doing the Gator Bowl. So yeah, uh, yeah. So it was a great game, and I'm glad we got to send him out on a win like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember being at that game as well, just to watch. And at the time, I didn't realize how monumental the game was, being his last. Oh game. man, it was. Now, looking crazy, back, man. I'm like, wow, that was a, a huge historic game because, you know, Bobby Bowden is such a, a storied coach at such a storied uh, franchise or program as well. And interesting fact, I actually spoke with um, a, another person within the football world whose dad was actually Bobby Bowden's first African-American player at West Virginia oh. back, in the, back in the day, back in the 70s. So uh, it was really cool talking to him, too. So just a funny tie in there. But um, no, thanks That's for sharing crazy. that. What um what exactly is the recruiting trail like for an for an athlete? I mean, I know you had fifteen plus offers from D one schools a lot here in the southeast region. So I know you mentioned you were a Florida State fan, but what is it exactly like being recruited, getting those phone calls, those letters, things like that? Oh man, the recruiting process is fun. Uh, coming out of high school, um, you know, I, you know, I played running back, but coming out, I think I was ranked, I was in the top twenty-five in running backs. So it was a lot of other bigger backs than me, but I did have a lot of offers: FSU, Clemson, Georgia, Miami. Uh, you know, all I had, I had a lot of big name offers. But um, it's a cool process, man. For me, it was just like a small town kid from Okeechobee. Not a lot of players going anywhere, so. It's been years since a player went to uh, went to D1. Now we have a lot of guys that go D1 now. But before me, it wasn't a lot. So being from a small town, getting all these letters, and, like, my high school coach was like a father to me. So every weekend we're at a school, we're at LSU or we're somewhere. So the whole process was like – it was like a culture shock from a small kid from a small town going to visit these big universities. And I'm the only one in my family to ever go to college. So it was just a lot for me. I embraced it. Uh, Oh man, it was great. You know, the phone calls, the letters, and just visiting schools, man, it was a, definitely a great experience. So uh, I'm pretty sure recruiting is 20 times crazy now, but uh, it was definitely great the time I did it. That's awesome. Yeah, I had to imagine that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting, I guess, fast moving, fast paced and everything. So that's, uh, that's an interesting little topic there. Not a lot of people understand what goes into recruiting, I guess, from a program standpoint or an athlete standpoint. So it's always good to kind of hear a little bit about that. I've actually been playing a lot of NCAA 08 recently um, during these times. So who knows, I may have even tried to been recruiting you to uh, University of Buffalo. That's the team I, <laughs> so I could have been recruiting you. I would have never known. Maybe I should have had this conversation a few weeks ago. I would have you on board. Oh, man, I missed it. I missed the NCAA, man. It was crazy. So I think the last uh, – 
I forgot which last one they made. Uh, it was when I was in college. I think it was like 2010. I, I mean, 2012. 14 was 11. the last one. Anyway, they, whenever, what, what was the last one? 14 with, uh, I think, Denard Robinson was on it. Yeah, NCAA 14. I remember the wherever the last one was, and I was on there, my overall was 99 as a fullback. I was like, I was, I was so pumped. And, uh, yeah, I had my overall was 99. I was like, I was like, dude, it was, it was the best fullback on the game. I was like, dude, this is dirty. But uh, anyways, but. That's awesome. And I, yeah, and they need to bring that back. So I don't know why they don't bring NCAA back. But anyways. Okay. That's really funny, actually, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the fullback designation there because I know you came out as a running back. Was moving to fullback kind of uh, something that the coaches brought on to you, or was that something that you wanted to do to maybe get some more playing time? Obviously, Florida State has had amazing groups of running backs come out recently, Dalvin Cook, James Wilder Jr., uh, most recently this past draft, Cam Akers. So a lot of good running backs. What was it about moving to fullback that I guess intrigued you to do that? Oh man, that was uh, the worst. Uh, <laughs> that's like the one of the worst days of my life, man. Um, I never forget that day. Uh, we had Dexter Carter was the was the running back coach, and uh, I never forget this. We had practice, and he was like, "Hey, Lana, go take a rep at fullback." And I was just, you know, just like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> so I go take a rep. Boom, boom, I come back. He's like, "I'll take another one." I'm like, "All right." So I go take another one. And then I remember him pulling me to the sideline. He was like, um. Moving forward, we want you to focus on our fullback. So, man, I was like, it was a crazy day, man. I remember leaving there. If I could, I would have cried there. I remember calling my high school coach. I was crying. And um, Jimbo later called me that day and just kind of walked me through, which was so great. He was like, hey, the reason we want to get you here, we want you to play. We have a lot of running backs. We want to get you on the field. So after talking, you know, at the moment, it was just like so crazy. Then after talking, me and Jimbo was on the phone for like an hour. And he was just kind of breaking down how he, you know, why he wants to be there, my talent. So after that, it was, um, you know, I definitely wanted to play running back, but, uh, you know, fullback, I got to touch the ball a lot. So it was uh, it was more of that we wanted you on the field and this is where we can get you in that yet. So, and I understood that. Well, that's got to be a good feeling, though, knowing that they wanted you to get on the field. And like you mentioned, 99 overall in the NCAA game. So that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty solid fullback numbers right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, was it, uh, what was it like for you, I guess, transitioning from Bobby Bowden to Jimbo Fisher in the middle of your collegiate career? I know a lot of times that coaching changes happen. It kind of uh, forces some prospects or, or some athletes to maybe, uh, I guess, enter the transfer portal or, or consider going elsewhere. Um, what was that like for you? And, and how did Jimbo, I guess, treat that transition to, to make sure you felt comfortable enough to stay on board? Well, you know, going through, you know, when you're going, well, you know, before I committed there, knowing I was going there, I knew Bobby wasn't going to be there all four years. So that was another reason why I went there. I know Bobby was going to be leaving soon, but I trusted Jimbo. So that was another reason. So uh, the switch wasn't too crazy. Uh, you know, Jimbo did a lot of the things there. You know, Bobby was just kind of there, the figure, but Jimbo already kind of, had his system and, you know, the way he wanted to do things and different things like that. So the switch wasn't really hard for me, um, you know, so because, you know, I kind of seen it coming. I didn't know if it was going to be this year or the next year, but I knew the switch was coming. But Jimbo had his hands in a lot of it already, so the switch wasn't crazy. So, um, like I said, I, you know, we knew it was coming. So it wasn't too of a crazy switch, some different things switched towards the end, but it was, you know, it wasn't anything crazy for me, to, you know, mind-blowing for me. Yeah, that type of uh, transparency has to be at least uh, much appreciated from an athlete standpoint. And 
things are even crazier now, you know, obviously eight to 10 years later, since all that, you know, things are moving even quicker with coaches moving, players transferring, uh, you know, not too much regulation around that transfer portal just yet. So a lot of things going on, going crazy, but uh, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned all that. And I do want to ask you maybe just some memories that you have at FSU. What were your uh, favorite, maybe teammates, favorite games to be in uh, any big games that stand out to you? Uh, well, my favorite game is on the TV right now. Uh, the Orange Bowl game is my, my favorite game, and I had a lot of great games at Florida State, but, you know, the Orange Bowl, and I looked at it, you know, just um, it was crazy because, you know, before uh, before I got there, no one has beaten um, – no one had beaten um, – no one had rushed it over for 1,000 yards. The last person that did it was Ward done. Then the following year, Freeman did it. But anyway, so, you know, your dream is to go there to break this record, then move the fullback. And it was just all the hard work and everything I put in my four years there, the way the end that season was that way. And it was just like a – it was truly like still to this day, man, it's been, what, seven years ago or whatever. And I still still can't pit that game in words, man. It, it was just – I don't know, man, it's just a true blessing of a game, man. So that was by far hands down will always be my favorite game in life, so – in that, that specific season, obviously, FSU had a lot of uh, aspirations. I'm pretty sure they were ranked in the top five at one point um, going into midseason. I want to bring up this game, and it might be a heartbreak game and tough to talk about, but hopefully it's far enough removed. I hope it's NC State because I'm not talking about it. <laughs> I was going to up NC State because I remember watching that game and way up past God. my time. But I, I remember watching that game, and, and I wasn't necessarily a Seminole fan or supporter, but I knew what the Seminoles were kind of planning to do that season. And watching the way that game ended, I wanted to see if you had insight on it, if you felt comfortable talking about it there at the end with that uh, that inside the 10-yard line Mike Glennon uh, touchdown throw. Oh, man, that game is uh... – God, they actually – it's crazy. The NC State tweeted at me the other day talking about this game, which is really? so funny. Yeah, they were like – I forgot. I don't know if it was a day. I don't know if it was, but they tweeted. Anyways, man, to this day, that game's a blur, man. It was just like uh, – yeah, I think we were number three. It was a Thursday night game. I think we were ranked number three or number five. I think number three in the nation. You know, everyone's talking. This is our national championship win, um, run. And uh, we go up there and lose on a Thursday night, man. And – um. Yeah, man, it was crazy, man, because we were up going in halftime, I think, 21-7. We were up big, and, man, and I don't know, man, just just didn't – I don't. I, it's so blurred out of my head and, like, yeah. such a game that I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, man, it sucked, man. Uh, but we came back and won and finished the season strong. But, uh, yeah, it's a blur. It's just it yeah. was that bad. It's, it's literally – I could have – it's a blur. I remember me and my buddy Scotty Jones watched it a couple of years ago, and I remember just like, God, how do we lose this game? But um, everything happens, man, and, you know, it is what it, not, it, is, what it is now. Hey, if, if that game wouldn't have happened, you guys might not have ended up in the Orange Bowl and you may not have had your career game. So Yeah, who, uh, see, maybe you know, like, like, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm glad we lost that game. I'm kidding. <laughs> Any, hey, anything to justify it. I'm a buddy of mine. He always, he always tells me, "Hey, man, it stinks that UCF plays on Thursdays and Fridays sometimes because bad things happen in away games on weekdays." So it's uh, we saw it last year with the Cincinnati game, also with the Tulsa game. So uh, I've seen a lot of heartbreaks recently, and those away games on the yeah. weekdays, just awful stuff. But um, you know, it happens for a reason, like you mentioned. So that's that's funny you say that. So I do want to ask you uh, the rivalry with Florida. 
what was it like getting up and ready to go for that game? I know a lot of Florida fans are going to watch this. A lot of FSU fans are going to watch this. What's it like getting up ready to go for a game against Florida, especially at the time both programs ranked within the top 10, I believe it was. Yeah, man, those, the, uh, the Florida and Miami is always great games, man. Cause it's, cause you go through, cause me in high school, man, I visited the Gators a lot. I was never going there, but my, all my friends were Gator fans. So we got free tickets. So every other weekend I was probably at a Gator game, but you're doing the process. You're a Florida kid. So you see a lot of kids go to Florida. So you kind of run into players, you know, that you, you know, play with in your area, but, um, it's a great rival, man. Uh, I finished two and two against them. Then when I played Miami, um, I finished three. I mean, uh, I won one, lost one, three, lost one. So, um, yeah, man, it's a great rival, man. Knowing you got those big games coming up, and uh, it's fun, man. They're fun games to play. And you, you get those games every year too, which is exciting. And obviously, the Florida Florida State game is, you know, at the end of the season, and two pretty storied programs that have had a lot of success in the past twenty years. Uh, obviously FSU going undefeated the year after you left in 2013, able to get it done that year. How difficult is it to go undefeated in college football, in your opinion? Um, obviously the game against NC State didn't go your way, but how difficult is it for a program to go undefeated in the grand scheme of things? Oh, man, I think it's um, it's very difficult. It's definitely, uh, you know, every every game you're the number one team, you know, no matter what, no matter who you play, it can be a small team or a big team team at the end of the day you're not you're the number one team so everyone wants to beat you uh for a team like that if you go back to that uh the, the year they won and in 2013 then came back and went undefeated and lost in the and um they went undefeated the last year and lost in the first round of the playoffs uh team like that man you just everyone has to be all in committed and um yeah, it's hard, man. Every week, you're you're the number one team, so everyone wants to beat you. So it's uh, so a team that go that goes undefeated and win a team like that, like everyone has to be so brought in and like, you know, it's 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 tough. So um, to to do that and make that is uh, you know, you got to pretty you got to be pretty good because you know every week everyone's gunning for you no matter what. So, yeah, you know, thanks for thanks for sharing that. It obviously puts a puts a target on your back when you're, you're at one of those programs. And uh, we've, we haven't seen too many, obviously, undefeated teams. We've seen a lot of dreams be dashed uh, with those late games uh, in the season, you know, those uh, rivalry games, a lot of teams maybe getting upset, just things that change the course of the rest of the season, the bowl season, now with the college football playoff. So uh, things, things do get crazy, a little squirrely there at the end of the season with whatever can happen. But I do appreciate you being here, Lonnie. I'll let you go and, and get to your workout and some grilling time. But uh, – Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on and doing this and look forward to keeping in touch uh, as football season inches closer to us, all right? Hey, anytime, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And, yes, as always, thank you to Strings Sports Brewery for bringing us that interview. They do a great job there just north of downtown Jacksonville on Main Street. So be sure to go check them out if you ever get the chance. Uh, but I do want to get into some sports. Obviously, we are approaching the weekend very quickly, and it's a fun weekend, July 4th coming up. So it is time for Puji Parlay presented by Shores Pub Mandarin. We are in the middle of round one of the PGA Tour in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And doctor, doctor, give me the news. Doc Redman, someone who was on Puji Parlay picks, uh, is performing well. Tied for the lead at seven under right now. Had the preferred tee time this morning. Uh, goes off tomorrow afternoon, so we'll see if he can hang on to the lead. But he is up there with Kevin Kisner, who's finishing his round right now. Obviously, product of Georgia and Scott Stallings. But also on the leaderboard right now, Bryson DeChambeau, six under, finishing up his round. 
He tees off tomorrow morning, so quick parlay update. If you want to take the live odds on DeChambeau, I would do it because he gets the morning tee time tomorrow and he'll play a lot better tomorrow. I won't be taking it because I can't find it within to do so after he's broken our hearts the last few weeks. But uh, also Ricky Fowler's up there as well, but I'll tell you what, this leaderboard has weekend golfer written all over it. I mean, you look at the leaderboard as it stands right now, and obviously there's not a lot of big-name players in this tournament, but a guy that's going to win this tournament really seems like a guy that you would meet at your local golf club, to be honest with you. I mean, you have Chris Kirk, James Hahn. You have other guys up there that you just don't typically see on the leaderboard on any given Sunday. Oh, in fact, DeChambeau just took the lead as I'm talking, so there we go. He's tied for the lead. Um, but that's it for golf. Uh, continue watching, obviously, through Sunday. And speaking of Sunday, set your alarm clocks early. We do have Formula One racing returning with the Austrian uh, Grand Prix coming up on Sunday at 9 a.m., so be sure to watch that. And also, set your alarms early for Saturday morning on the 4th of July. We do have Premier League Soccer, for those that are into that. Kind of a nice little uh, pregame, if you will, for the PGA Tour Golf. So uh, that, that might be what I'm watching. Uh, we'll see. But also, the hot dog eating contest, if that's on, you know, definitely check that out as well. Don't know what the odds are there, but I'm sure Joey Chestnut is going to win. So I just spoiled the fun for you. But obviously, like I mentioned, Formula One on Sunday morning before the NASCAR race from the Indianapolis 500 at 4 o'clock on Sunday to round out the weekend. That should finish up around the same time, if not a little bit later than the PGA Tour um, golf from the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So a lot of sports coming up this weekend. I hope everyone has a fantastic 4th of July weekend. I know things are weird right now. I know beaches are closed. I know fireworks might be canceled here and there. But just definitely take care of your family. Take care of yourselves. And have fun this weekend. Try your best to stay safe. And uh, see you next time for more uh, Pooji Podcasts. Thanks. Be sure to follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast streaming services, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel to check out unique video elements for each interview.